Welcome to our mindfulness podcast. Each week or so, we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, It's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply. Let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters. And each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character. And it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U. And they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlined character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation. Uh, rather than silent meditation, we're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge, then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it. Ko, ku, sho, tenin, to, u, chin, myo, ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing section. 
And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, and then you come into the station and slow down. And then we do Namo Amidabatsu, as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Dangon Cho Sengam Oh.
please join me in God's show. Namandats, 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 namandats. Hello, everyone. This is Reverend Ellen Hamada Crane. And today, I would like to speak to you about Hongan, or innermost aspiration. We often understand Hongan as the primal vow and as the promise of awakening from Amida through the Nembutsu, as stated in the 18th vow of the larger sutra of immeasurable life. This is the gift from ultimate reality to sentient beings as a way to realize enlightenment in the simplest and most direct way possible. Hongan also has another important meaning that I want to focus on now, and that is as innermost aspiration. This is the deep desire within myself to live a life of meaning and to find spiritual transcendence through an experience. I would like to now share my grandfather's experience with Hongan. Through it, a deep aspiration was pulled out of his being, and because of it, his whole life changed forever. In 1920, Yoneichi Kawate was 31 years old. He was a prosperous and successful grape farmer in central California. At that time, his brother Buichi was a supporter of the Fresno Temple, but Yoneichi wanted nothing to do with that. He said at that time, if he ever had any extra money, he would rather buy fish with it rather than give it to the temple. He then had a deep and personal encounter with impermanence. He got very sick. So sick, in fact, that he became delirious with fever. Later, he recounted a dream in which he was in a vast wasteland with nothing and no one anywhere to be found. He experienced a loneliness and desolation of his being, like nothing he had ever experienced before. This experience is not unlike the one described by the poet Dante Alighieri, who lived in 13th and 14th century Italy. You may know him best as the author of The Divine Comedy. This is from that book. Midway along the journey of our life, I woke to find myself in a dark wood, for I had wandered off from the direct path. How I entered there, I cannot truly say. I had become so sleepy at the moment when I first strayed, leaving the path of truth. Like Dante, my grandfather had an encounter that shook him to his very core and made him question his very existence. The Dharma, truth, reality, Amida, however we want to express it, had come to my grandfather through this illness to create an aspiration, his Hongan. The meaninglessness of his life had created a need to find meaning. As soon as he recovered from his illness, he went to the Fresno Betsuing Temple, and fortunately for him, he encountered Reverend Gyodo Haguri. With the guidance of his teacher, Yoneichi experienced a Shinjin awakening. For the rest of his life, my grandfather was dedicated to the Buddha Dharma and did whatever he could to help others realize the path of Nembutsu. He was joined by many other Jodo Shinshu followers in his area. 
many of whose, those families are still living in the area today. Like my grandfather, like Shakyamuni Buddha, like Shinran, each of us, if we are fortunate enough to have the karmic conditions to awaken our hongan, can find spiritual fulfillment on the Buddhist path to reach the other shore of Ohigan. Paradoxically, once we are metaphorically on the other shore, we find we are right back where we started. This shore is the other shore after all. As one of my Dharma teachers, Jim Pollard, a minister's assistant at Orange County Buddhist Church, said recently, in Shin Buddhism, the starting point is everything. The first priority is to find the path. On a final note, I mentioned that Hagari Sensei was an important teacher in my grandfather's life. In fact, he was important for all the members of my mother's family. In 1967, a translation of his book, Awareness of Self, was translated by Reverend William Masuda and was published with the financial support of several people from the Central Cal area, including my grandfather and members of other temples. I'm happy to say that our OCBC Buddhist Education Center has republished this book, and it came out in 2014. I'm happy that my mother has lived to see it come out again. Thank you for letting me speak to you today about Hongan, the innermost aspiration. Please join me in Gasho. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. This concludes this podcast. I hope you feel grounded. I hope you feel different than when you began. And this feeling you have, I hope you take it with you out into your everyday life. It's important to develop these qualities in a controlled environment like this podcast. But the aim is for the effects to begin to bleed out into your everyday life naturally. My wife once sent me a meme on Facebook that said, yoga works, but only if you show up. And I feel that way about Buddhism and about meditation. It surely works, but only if you stick with it. And you have to get to the point where it becomes something natural and effortless in your life. And if you have high expectations and you're trying to rush the process, you actually retard your ability to change over time. You don't want to grasp it. You don't want to hang on to it. You just want to experience it in a regular practice and integrate it into your everyday life. So thank you very much for coming. I will close with Gasho. Hands together and we will bow. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This podcast is copyrighted 2023 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, all rights reserved.